Hey guys, so I recorded this podcast. It was actually a visit that I had with my friend McCool, who is a real estate agent over at Compass. And we really get into the nitty gritty of green living and lead certification. So again, I had no idea really what that was. I'd seen the lead signs on some of the buildings, lead platinum, lead gold, but I didn't know what it stood for. And oh my God, was McCool a resource of knowledge about this. He is super invested in green living and he thinks it's going to be the next big thing, not just in New York City, really, uh, but across the United States in terms of uh, green living and composting and a bunch of other sort of things that are going to change the way we actually live and use energy. So in this talk, we go through everything from, you know, what kind of features his building has that he presently lives in to why Battery Park City is basically uh, the center of green living and renewable energy and resources. It's a really cool um, short conversation I had with him that really opened my eyes a lot. Uh, and quite frankly, I'm looking at a place now and, and I'm starting to take these things into account. So I hope you enjoy the next few minutes of me speaking to McCool. So where, where are we going now? We are now going to go to downtown Brooklyn to the latest uh, new green building called 550 Vanderbilt. What goes on there? Uh, it's part of the huge Pacific Park project, who's, uh, which is being built by the same developer that's, that built the Barclays Center. Okay. Um, the Barclays Center has become the new mecca for downtown Brooklyn. And what they're trying to replicate to what happened to Williamsburg with all the growth, they're trying to do that to downtown Brooklyn. And uh, the building we're going to see is one of the first green buildings in downtown Brooklyn, but it's also going to be part of a new destination area, um, which is very exciting. Can you talk to me about the difference between the neighborhoods where we are now in Williamsburg and where we're going, where 550 is, so, the character and everything else? So Williamsburg is more of a, I would say like a, a what what was an indie uh, neighborhood. Uh, a lot of artists uh, from, from factories and warehouses moved into artists, uh, creative types. Uh, now it's become more um, strollers and people with their dogs. Hedge funds. Uh, hedge funds, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. And downtown Brooklyn is a little bit different in that it is more of a commercial area. It was always a, 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 a business extension of Manhattan. But what's nice about it is that downtown Brooklyn has 12 subway lines that converge through it, whereas Williamsburg's has only one line. And so um, downtown Brooklyn is really made for, uh, there's a lot of opportunity for, uh, for it to, to grow and be able to absorb the amount of growth that's going to be happening there. So all the developers are moving from from uh, Williamsburg to downtown Brooklyn. And the difference also is that downtown Brooklyn, you're allowed to build high. So you're going to see lots of tall buildings, whereas in Williamsburg, there is a height restriction. Yeah, I can um, I can actually confirm the, the subway uh, opinion that you just put forth, because every day I, I take that out and it feels like a crime against humanity. Uh, and so it's, it's nice to... I'm sure for people that are that are thinking of buying somewhere or moving somewhere generally to understand there's a variety of transportation options because I, I become best friends involuntarily with the people that are next to me on the L train. Every Absolutely. Time. It's horrible. I agree. Yeah, it's horrible. And, and, th and that's what's nice, you know, like uh, with, with being downtown Brooklyn and there's so many subway lines converging, if you need to get into Manhattan, anywhere in Manhattan, east side, west side, it's very easy, very convenient. They have express trains and they have local trains, so you can get anywhere really fast. Yeah, that's true. And is it the same, basically the same commute time to the city? Uh, from Compared to Williamsburg? Yep. Uh, it, I would say it is, but downtown Brooklyn uh, uh, enters into downtown Manhattan. So if you go to Wall Street, Financial District, Battery Park, it's more convenient that way. Whereas uh, when you're in Williamsburg and you want to get to the city, you're more in, in uh, I would say, Flatiron, Union Square. Area. So 550 Vanderbilt. 
That's a lead building. Yes. Okay. Why does... Let me ask, why do people want lead buildings? What's the difference and what do you think the future is with that? So, so very good question. I think lead is going to be the standard that everybody uh, expects uh, in, in several decades from now in that it, millennials uh, care about global warming, they care about experiences, and they want to feel like they're making an impact on their environment. And I think that this trend of green buildings is what people will want to steer towards. And developers can upcharge on the on the price of selling these homes. So there's a win-win for both people. So basically, one you, you can argue one is marketing, right? So if I wanted a millennial or type of person to come in that has disposable income but also cares significantly about the environment, I make a lead building where I try my best to, to do one. And you think there's probably, uh, and I agree with you, by the way, that there's a segment of the population that's probably going to look for that. Yes. And buy and they will there. pay a premium for that green building. But on the, on the flip side, green buildings are actually just as, uh, it costs just as much to build as a regular building, as a traditional building. It's just more complicated because there's a lot more paperwork to do. Um, and, the, on, and then secondly is that the overall maintenance and management of the building over over lifetime is actually less than a traditional building uh, because they, they have a lot, like for example, all the appliances are energy, energy star rated. So electricity bill will be lower than a traditional building. The electricity can be alternative and energy from, from wind, wind farms or uh, water. And so uh, overall it's actually the, so for example, I live in a green building. Our common charges, our maintenance is about 20% less than traditional building. Uh, just because our building is uh, it's much more it operates more efficiently than a regular building and it doesn't even have to be as complicated as a wind farm or anything else right it could be simple steps right where where yeah, we so claim wood in the actual well yeah themselves. so for example uh, uh, bamboo is a sustainable material and a lot of bamboo floors and cabinetry can be made from that um, the other example we're going to go see visionaire now visionaire in battery park city the top four floors are solar panels um, that you would not see. It looks just like part of the facade, but if you actually look at it, it's, uh, there's uh, solar panels. The windows in between the, the glass, there's a uh, low E coating to reduce the radiation going into the apartment, so that reduces the uh, energy cost to, to, to keep the temperature uh, normal. So there are these very simple things that you can do that and with, over the lifetime of the building or the home, you can actually spend less. And in addition to spending less, which, by the way, means just from a legal standpoint, when we're looking at things uh, on our end and we're doing our due diligence on financials, I'm looking to see whether or not maintenance increases and in by how much, let's say, in the co-op or common charges in the condo. And so if I see that it's not increasing by a ton, that typically means there's a ton of other factors, but it typically means the building is financially healthy, which is a good thing, right? So Correct. any drawbacks to this? Because I feel like if I was a developer... This is going to sound salesy, it's not, but if I was a developer and I wanted specific people, like if I wanted a specific demographic to come in, um, I would develop using these kinds of materials and get a lead building yeah, if so, I wanted to sell out. So, so a, a lead is, people, uh, developers to build lead, they will only build it if they feel that they can get a premium from it. But the reason why they don't want to do it is because there's more paperwork there's more uh, thinking that has to go into building a building, where a regular luxury building, you just go and build it based on your architect's plans and following building codes. Um, it would really be dependent on the demand. If there's demand for people saying that I want lead, I want to live in a lead building and I'll pay extra for it, then developers will continue to build them. Do you see a future in that in New York City, just generally? Yes, absolutely. I mean, New Yorkers in general are more um, trend-setting, are more apt to... Uh, what's happening in the environment and they and they care about 
the experience of how they live and how they connect with, 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 with nature in general. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit off camera, but uh, Hurricane Sandy and what that did to the psyche of a lot of people um, in terms of nature coming in and, and sort of literally banging on down your door. I think if something like that happens, again, just my own personal belief, people will be actively looking for ways to deal with this stuff, like thinking that they have some sort of power over this, right? Because you, you felt powerless to a certain extent. If you're buying in a building that let's say, is filtering their own air or filtering their own water in some way or something along the lines. Yes, it may seem silly, but it's a small step and you actually feel like you have a control. Actually, so again, I, I've been living in the green building for seven years mm -hmm. and we re recycle, um, you know, we, we have a, a rooftop garden and the garden helps to reduce the amount of heat that the building is, is concentrating in the apartment. So we always have a very temperate temperature during the winter and the summer. There are many things that by living in a green building, I feel like I'm making an impact on the environment, uh, even though it might be small, but it takes a small steps to have some big impact over time. Um, so yes, I, I, as being my own customer, my ideal customer, um, I do feel that people care and I think that that's going to continue to happen over so, time. So talk to me a little bit about value. We haven't really touched upon this, but can you talk to me about what represents value for you when you're representing a client as an agent? Um, so in my experience, I've been doing this for almost a decade now, and uh, mostly what they both are looking for is the good light. Uh, a good layout is very important. You know, if there's a pillar. If the bedrooms are too small, they want something that's comfortable. Um, and then most importantly is lo location. They want to be close to subways or parks or something that makes it makes a neighborhood a livable space. They don't want to walk into an area that there's nothing. They want to be able to be conveniently located to nice restaurants and uh, sh uh, an esplanade for shopping, dog parks. You know, there's, there's, there's different things that uh, appeal to different people. I'd love to hear your thoughts on community. So what I mean by that is when I moved to Brooklyn, um, there was a sense, whether it's cliche or not, in Williamsburg of an actual community itself. And you see that a lot in the city as well. So do clients look for specific things when they look for community? And how would you sort of define community in, in terms of clients? Very, very good question. Um, people in New York, uh, people that want to buy uh, they care a lot about neighborhood because really uh, neighborhood um, defines who you become essentially you know s someone that lives in Brooklyn is not the same type of person that would live in in the Upper West Side of Manhattan they're very different kind of customers um, and so people want to live in certain areas because they want to be part of that community so someone that wants to be in Tribeca is looking for that Tribeca lifestyle is very, very different from someone that wants to live in Midtown East, which is very like commercial and busy. So I think it's very important that when you look for a property in New York that you understand what kind of lifestyle you want and then there's, there'll most likely be a community or neighborhood that will fit you, your needs. Yeah, and one of the other things I want to sort of touch upon, and, and I always ask agents this, is you have a client, the client has under a million dollars to buy something. It's their first purchase. If you have to pick one neighborhood that has the most value for them, what do you pick? So I'm going to talk about one neighborhood in Manhattan, one neighborhood in Brooklyn. Um, one neighborhood in Manhattan, uh, uh, for as of 2017 fall, is Lower East Side. Um, and one neighborhood in Brooklyn, as of fall 2017, would be Prospect Heights. Why on both? 
Uh, Lower East Side is seeing a huge uh, amount of development with the Essex Crossing uh, redevelopment zone. They're going to have the largest shopping uh, complex in the city once it's all done in a couple of years. Um, And so it's basically going to be a community-based project with uh, uh, restaurants and grocery stores and a lot of mom-and-pop kind of shopping area. And it's going to be a very unique space. They're also building what's called the, the... the low line which is the opposite of the high line it's going to be an underground uh, park it'll be the first of its kind in the world sounds terrifying (laughs) and then as far as prospect heights is uh, we were actually originally at 550 vanderbilt prospect heights is uh, an area that's growing a lot from the downtown uh, brooklyn area and uh, it's it has a bit of the uh, busy commercial space, but also has a lot of residential brownstones as well. And you're seeing a lot of growth over there right now. So well. where are we standing right now in we, the middle of this windstorm? We are currently in North Battery Park City in front of the Verdesian, which was the first green building built in New York City in the early 2000s. It was a uh, it was a huge deal at that time because nothing like that had ever been built. A building with a rooftop garden had not been uh, heard of. Um, at that time, rooftops were just a new trend in New York City, and that was the first rooftop garden with uh, bees and birds, and so it was a very uh, new thing for the city. Why do you think there's such a concentration of these green buildings in Battery Park City? Is there something specific to the area? But Battery Park City is a, a planned neighborhood. It is actually reclaimed land. So there was no land in this area before. And the city had uh, t- uh, endeavored with several developers to reclaim this land and build a full planned city that was going to be uh, a combination of parkland and buildings. And the objective was to give people a balance between their living situation and the environment. What makes Battery Park City different from other New York City neighborhoods? Once you step uh, right across the West Side Highway, you're immediately transported to a beautiful uh, 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 environment that is... uh, You can even, as soon as you walk across, you feel like the air is cleaner. Um, You can breathe easier. You have beautiful water views. um, And it's just a much more calmer area. When you think of Manhattan, you think of busy and, um, you know, you got to rush everywhere. Battery Park City is like you're in in suburbia in Manhattan. Okay, so we're at our last stop here. um, And tell me where we are and why this is significant. We are currently uh, outside of uh, the Visionaire in South Battery Park City. This was. Uh, this is the only North American residential platinum level lead building. There's only two of these buildings in the world. The other one is in Kuala Lumpur, and uh, why significant is that it is the most difficult to get this level of uh, distinction for lead buildings. They have to get 80 out of 100 points to be able to get this level of greenness. So basically, the water has to be the most recycled. The, the so yeah, so true. So they uh, in the apartments you have uh, filtered water, you have filtered air, natural uh, clean air that goes into the apartment. They have that low E coating in the windows. If you look at the window exterior, there's like a reflective coating, and that actually reduces the radiation going into the apartment. The top four floors uh, is solar panels. There is a rooftop garden. Um, There is a water recycling system in the basement. They recycle 60% of water to be used in the the mechanicals of the building. So as far as green, this is the top level. 
So I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I hope you got something out of it, uh, found some value. Uh, obviously, if you have any questions whatsoever, please feel free to reach out to me or McCool. We'll have all of his contact information posted below. And I uh, hope to talk to you again soon.